Dear Lord, thank you for this day that you've given us to come here to meet together, your children, to come closer to you, to gain understanding. We thank you, Lord, for your word, for the anointing that breaks every yoke. We just, Lord, ask that you touch every person that hears this message and you allow this word to take root and bear fruit in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Monday is Memorial Day, right? I was thinking about that this morning. And we want to give thanks to all of our servicemen and women all around the world, all who are serving and all those who have served, and especially all those who have given the ultimate sacrifice. My grandfather was a a great soldier. He was my hero. He was in the Battle of the Bulge and had a silver star and a bunch of other stars and stuff like that. Telephone pole shot out from under him one time. And uh, he was my hero. But we want to make sure that uh, we're doing our part. You know, and our part is in service to the Lord. And I was thinking about the scriptures that talk about that this morning. I just looked in Second Timothy chapter two, verse four. <clears throat> I'll back up a scripture. Paul is describing to Timothy. He said, therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He uses this comparison, and I think it's a good one, especially since Memorial Day is right around the corner. He says, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to explain that no man that warreth, in other words, no soldier, entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So, Paul isn't saying that we're not to live this life. We have, we have responsibilities. We have things that we have to deal with in this world. We have jobs. We have homes and families and pets and all sorts of things that are not generally considered spiritual, I guess. He's not telling us to not take care of those things, is he? He's just telling us to put God first. That what Jesus taught us, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I think many Christians have put the cart before the horse. I've got to go deal with all these things and gather all these things and then I'll seek God and His righteousness if I have time. But mostly I'll seek these things and I'll complain to God that He hasn't given me enough time to do the things that He's called me to do. And if I need some rest from all the things that I'm trying to do and to get, well, I'll just take that on Sunday morning. (laughs) Well, there's another scripture 
in Ephesians chapter 6 with a military connotation since we're talking about that I'll just mention that everybody's familiar (coughs) most of you are familiar with the passage of scripture that talks about the armor of God and uh, I'll just read this briefly Ephesians 6, starting at the 10th verse, he said, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Which is really what I'm going to talk about today, the power of His might, not our own. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I love that. The Lord is telling us, He's not just giving us a command. It's not do good, get good, do bad, get beat. Do what I say just because I want you to do it. No, he's saying do this. Put on the whole armor of God. And here's why. So that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. It's the devil that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. So we want to put on the whole armor of God so we can stand against the wiles of the devil. And he says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So it's not just because God has given us a command that we have to check off of our list to be in good standing with him. No, we don't earn right standing with God. Jesus did that for us. And now he's telling us that it's not about other people. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. How many of us are stuck in bitterness and unforgiveness because we are wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against our own flesh and blood and we're wrestling against others that we know or have known in our lives. And we've created prisons of our own making. Against the rulers of the darkness and of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's the devil and his demons who we are warring against. It's not people and it's not God. Although some people are warring against God and against people. But they're in error to do so. I often tell people when I'm counseling with them one on one. You mad at God. And you've taken sides with the person that you really should be mad at. The devil. Because he's the one that's causing you the problems that you offended with. And you're taking it out on people and you're taking it out on on God. When it's the devil who has come to steal from you, to kill you, and to destroy you. And now you've sided up with him. The one who is really causing you all the trouble. How silly. Therefore, stand. Having your loins girded about with truth and having the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Holy Ghost, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. 
So he tells us to be a good soldier. And then he tells us to put on all of his armor. And the reason is so we can protect ourselves from the one who's trying to kill us. Makes sense. It's not him and it's not your neighbor. Although he has used many of them against us. <clears throat> we still pray for them. Why? Best thing could ever happen to your worst enemy is that God get a hold of them. Amen. If we really knew about hell, we would never ask anybody to go there. Pastor. Yes, ma'am. I need prayer. I got up this morning throwing up before we came. Amen. And I'm still throwing up. And I can barely sit through your service. Of course, you will. Praise the Lord. I don't even feel like I can drive home. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you. So the Lord has called us into His service. We're talking about this because Memorial Day. He's called us into His service to be good soldiers, not to get tangled up in the affairs of this life, 
Not that we're not to live this life. Just don't let anything keep a hold on us. I tell people this when they go into big debt and when they, they make big choices that will will tie them down to things instead of being free to do what God has called them to do. And He's told us to put on His armor. All of this armor is to protect us from the enemy's attempts on our life. And He has given us a great commission. When He was ascended, ascending to heaven, He... He called us to do something, didn't He? Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. He has called us not to just go to church, not just to be baptized, not just to say a prayer, not just to be converted, but to be disciples. Be disciples of His Word and to spread the Word all over the world. <clears throat> and I think this is where the body of Christ is lacking. Because most of the body of Christ looks just like the world. We're not walking in power. We're not walking in victory. We don't have the full armor of God. And we don't see ourselves as Christian soldiers, as it were. One of the hardest things for me to do as when I really got born again was to learn how to be a Christian soldier to use spiritual warfare instead of Basically, hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> we used to use in our mouths, our words, and our in a negative way, and and uh, and other things. Which I grew up in kind of a rough a rough way, and I perpetuated that as I got older. And God showed me you need to put down all the weapons of your warfare, all the things you think you know, and you need to take up this sword which is the Word of God, and learn about all these other things, which I just laid out in the, the armor of God. And that was a hard thing to do, because it feels like you're losing sometimes, but you're not. The only time, you know, Jesus asked the disciples to go out, heal the sick, and raise the blind, and do all these things, preach the gospel. The only time they ever asked Him to increase their faith was when he told them that they had to forgive an unlimited amount of times. <laughs> Lord, increase our faith. It does take faith to forgive. Because, like I said, it looks like, it feels like you're losing. But God said, do you trust me? If you'll trust me... Yeah. In other words, it's unlimited. Yeah. If you get to that, come back and ask me again. I'll tell you to start over. Right. <laughs> Praise you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Joshua 1.9, when he was given Joshua instructions, he had taken over a big, a big job from Moses, hadn't he? And Moses didn't get to take the children of God into the promised land. I believe that 
the Old Testament being completely entitled shadow picture of Jesus, picture of our salvation, picture of God's love. He was showing us that Moses being a picture and type of the law would never be able to lead anyone into the promised land. The law will never get us there. It had to be Joshua's name is the same as Jesus, Yeshua. And so that was a type and shadow showing us how we had to get there. He told Joshua, be strong and of good courage. And that seems like a, a hard thing to do. Hey, be tough. Suck it up. Be strong. Be encouraged. But God never leaves us there. Just like He doesn't just tell us to put on the armor of God just to be tough. He tells us, it's so that I can help you. It's so the devil can't get you. And it's the same thing He told Joshua. Be strong and of good courage because I'm going to be with you everywhere you go. And you know, He is with us. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And I think that we just need to be mindful of that. When we exalt God and His promises for our lives, all of our mountains become little molehills. But when we magnify the mountains in our lives, the little molehills in our lives, the problems and things that come against us, they become very big. You notice that David... When he came against Goliath, he was not thinking about how big Goliath was. He was thinking about how big his God was. He had five smooth stones and a slingshot. And he <clears throat> he didn't go at it with Saul's armor. He said, this doesn't fit me. This doesn't work for me. In other words, all he needed was something he already had. God. And he knew that what he said. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He didn't say, who's this big mighty giant who's terrifying? <laughs> he said, who's this uncircumcised Philistine? What does that mean? Well, the circumcision was just <coughs> his reference to the covenant that they had with God. And this guy was not in covenant with God. So what did he do with his slingshot and five smooth stones? He ran toward that giant. And he took him out with just one stone. Five smooth stones. What he had at his disposal. The five first five books of the Bible. Was the Torah at the time. And he only used one of those stones. To kill the enemy. Jesus the same thing. Had the Torah at his disposal. And when he faced off with the devil in the wilderness. He, he combated him with those smooth stones. But he only used one. Just like David, Deuteronomy. Everything he spoke to the devil was from that one book. Be strong and have good courage for I'm with you wherever you go. So, I guess the question for many Christians is how how do I do this? I always get those questions from people. I, I know what God says, but how do I do it? I, I can't hear God. I don't see Him. I don't feel powerful. Well, that's because we're called to live by faith, not by sight. And what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And most Christians don't have an understanding that we are three-part being. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 says that we are spirit, soul, and body. 
<coughs> Most people understand that they have a body. They, they're familiar with their body. And they believe that they have a soul. That's the part of them. That's where it ends for the most part. They understand that they have a mind. That they have a free will. And they have emotions. And that's our soulless realm. But the things of the spirit. Cannot be discerned by flesh and blood. So the Bible teaches us. <clears throat> and John 4.24. When Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well. He says God is a spirit. And those who worship him. Must worship him in spirit. And in truth. The things of the Spirit. Jesus said my words are spirit. And they are life. So the word of God is spirit. And the Holy Spirit is spirit. And that is how we learn to identify with our true identity in Christ. Through the word. With the help of the Holy Spirit of God. We cannot discern our true spiritual identity with our emotions, our, our mind, our feelings. And people identify, especially in this culture, with their emotions and their feelings more than they do their true identity in Christ. That's because they're not aware of the spiritual realm. And plus, anyone who hasn't truly been born again, which is all of the world and a large part of what calls itself the church. So they cannot discern spiritual truths because they don't have a born-again spirit. So their corrupted spirit, which still belongs to Satan, cannot discern the things of God. And they certainly can't with their flesh. So they identify with their emotions and their feelings. But these things can oftentimes lead us astray. Praise you, Jesus. God says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Well, it doesn't take long. When you get truly born again, you might come off of a, a little bit of a, a spiritual or emotional high. At first, you know, you might have got a tingle or goosebump and had a great experience with the Lord. But then, almost everyone that I know, they go into a place where they're like, well, what's going on? I don't feel anything. I don't feel different. They look in the mirror, they see the same imperfections that were there before. They know that their mind is still not quite right. They got some thoughts and some thinking they shouldn't have, maybe. And yet the scripture says all things have become new. So this is where it's imperative. So what do they do? I guess it didn't work for me. Well, it did. If you truly believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that He was crucified for your sins, He raised from the dead and He lives today and He's <coughs> coming back for us, then you confess that with your mouth, you believe it in your heart, you're saved. And so you're okay. But what you have to do now is you need to get into the Word. You have to put all this seed of this Word inside of you. And then the Holy Spirit will begin to remind you of all the things that Jesus has said. Jesus is the Word made flesh. Amen. <coughs> and then you'll begin to identify. You'll begin to 
be so filled with the truth that you can't stand the lie anymore. And then you'll begin to learn to bounce everything, all of your choices, all your decision making, off of the Word of God. If it doesn't line up, then it won't bear witness with you. And you'll learn to go to God. When you make mistakes, you'll learn to run to God instead of away from Him because Jesus has already paid for all of your sins, past, present, and future. So how can He pay for a future sin? Well, you better hope He can because He only died once for your sins 2,000 years ago before you were ever born. In that same passage of Scripture, well, I think of one chapter back, I was in 2 Corinthians 5, and I mentioned verse 7, which says that we don't walk by sight, but by faith. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things will become new. But if you go back one <coughs> chapter to, to chapter 4, verse 7, verse 18... It says, while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So he's telling us not to keep our focus on natural things. And of course, we're walking around, we see natural things. He's saying not just to close our eyes and not pay attention. But he's saying... Magnify the things in your mind and your heart that are spiritual truths that are unseen, but they are real just the same. More real, as a matter of fact, than the things that we can see. Everything that we can see was created by the things that we can't see. Amen. And that's what a good example of this is in 2 Kings, when Elisha had been getting words of knowledge about the enemies of God and the enemies of God found out about it and sent an army to get him. I'm just trying to summarize to cut short to the quick on this. But his his disciple, his servant went outside of the tent one morning and realized that the enemy's army had surrounded them overnight and they were coming to kill the prophet. And he said, oh my Lord, what are we going to do? And Elisha told him, don't worry, there's more for us than against us. There's no evidence that Elisha saw the army of God he doesn't say that he saw them. He may have. <clears throat> but he wasn't living by sight. He was living by faith. And he knew that God was for him. And not against him. And that God had armies in his employment. And that while he was in service to God. These physical armies would not be able to harm him. The boy must have thought Elisha was crazy, I'm sure. So Elisha said, Father, please open his eyes so he can see. And he did. He opened his spiritual eyes and allowed him to see that this army who had come against them and surrounded them overnight 
was also surrounded by an opposing army of God, chariots of fire. This is the place that we need to get to, the confidence. Christian hope is a confident expectation of good from God, not a wishing and a hoping. That's not hope. Real hope for a Christian is a knowing, confident expectation of good. All the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. But when we believe that and speak it, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, that's when we begin to benefit. Because we're spirit, soul, and body. And if you could just see these as three circles that are kind of linked together, but the, the spirit circle, the soul circle, and then the body circle. And the body and the spirit soul circles are not linked. They're linked, but, but they have to pass through the, the soulish realm. <clears throat> the soul, our mind and will and emotions are the conduit for us to get the things that are true in the spiritual realm into the physical realm where we can utilize them now in our bodies, in our finances, in our relationships, in this life. They're already on account, so we're not praying and hoping to get God to do something. He's already done it all. It's already on account for us. And in our spirit, we have the very mind of Christ. The fullness of the Godhead dwelling in us. We don't have to pray and get a get a, a prayer up above the the uh, demonic forces that are over an area. We don't have to get a prayer passed right here. Because the kingdom of God is right here in our spirit. And it's perfect and holy. One third of our salvation is complete. Sealed with the promised Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Incorruptible for all time. I think I'm going to stop for today. i got a lot more, but I think we've shown a few seeds and and we're going to give everybody a, a break this holiday. Father, thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for imparting to us the things that will help us to combat the wiles of the devil. We thank you for showing us that you're for us and not against us. And that we have a job to do as Christians. The acronym for this church, Grace and Truth Church, is help, heal, empower, love, and prosper. We want to help all of your children to be healed, Lord, physically. And to be empowered in their minds and hearts. The same power that raised Christ from the dead living inside of them. We want them to know that they're loved by you. And we want them to prosper in every way in this life just as you do. And then, Lord, we want them to go and help others to do the same. Would you help us with this, Lord? We thank you, Lord, for continuing to teach us to walk by faith and not by sight. To take up our true identity in Christ alone and to walk in power and victory and love and peace. And we'll continue on with this message next week, Lord, as you give me utterance. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.